Becoming Yourself with Dr. Maeve Keneally, Episode 1. This podcast brings together wisdom and tools from coaching, clinical psychology, and mental health research to help you become who you want to be. My name is Maeve, and I am a coach and an academic in the field of mental health. And I cannot wait to tell you about this this tip or trick or insight that will genuinely, like if you apply it to your life, will change your life completely. Um, I'm really excited about this podcast and there are so many different things I wanted to talk about and wanted to share um, that I thought I was really worried that the first episode would just be like a jumble of different thoughts and, and not like able to see any of them through to the end. Um, and so in the end, I, I finally decided what I wanted to tell you in the first episode, which I really think is this this fundamental truth or like the building block or cornerstone of, of all type of self-improvement work, all therapy, all spiritual practices, coaching. I think all of it might work based on this, this kind of key realization, which is that drumroll, you do not have to believe your thoughts. That's it. We're only a minute and a half into the podcast and that is the answer to all suffering. There you go. Go home. We're all done. Okay, so you might be about to switch off the podcast and be like, wow, she said it was going to be like a life-changing insight and it's just this one sentence that doesn't fully make sense. You don't have to believe your thoughts. But I'm going to explain it a bit and I'm going to argue for why I think this is the kind of active ingredient or the main part or at least the, the kind of first step um, of all types of psychiatry and counselling and therapy and coaching and yeah, like even spiritual practices. So bear with me a moment. And so I, I think that the language that's used to talk about this, this kind of idea that there's a separation between reality and your thoughts and that you don't have to believe your thoughts. Um, yeah, there, there are lots of different ways to talk about this. Um, and I'm going to use the language of cognitive behavioral therapy, um, CBT, which is one of the therapies that has the most evidence in the world of psychiatry and psychology. And it, it's, it's pretty, pretty, people love to kind of hate on it. And, and for some people, it, it doesn't work at all. But in terms of evidence, we know that it has, um, effectiveness in reducing distress, like in improving depression. It helps people with eating disorders. It helps uh, with anxiety. I think that was some, one of the first applications looking at anxiety. Um, and um, yeah, it's basically, it's really, um, th there's a great evidence base for it. And that's my background is in mental health research. So I am really um, interested in the way we get information about the world and where our knowledge comes from and how trustworthy it is. I'm very critical of everything and don't believe anything. Um, so I think that talking about this in the language of CBT is is not a bad, a bad way to go because we do have a really good evidence base for it. Like there are lots and lots of studies showing that CBT um, is effective across the world in lots of different settings. And um, so, so the kind of main concept I'm going to talk about today is the cognitive triangle. Um, and the cognitive triangle is basically the way 
CBT conceptualizes um, the way our thoughts cause our feelings, cause our behaviors. So the three points of the triangle are thoughts, then there's an arrow going to the next corner saying uh, feelings, and then the final angle of the triangle is behavior. And I'm going to kind of go through some examples to see, to explain why I'm talking about this. But the, the central element or the assumption here in the cognitive triangle is um, that the the feelings and the behaviours in our lives, whether they're good behaviours or, or, you know, quote unquote problem behaviours that are causing us lots of distress and that might lead to a diagnosis of, of something, let's say like um, repeatedly washing hands in a way that's causing your hands, you know, to be damaged, um, that that might be a behaviour that you'd use the cognitive triangle to kind of break down and understand what feeling you have when you go to kind of compulsively wash your hands and then what was the thought that caused that feeling um so that is what we're going to talk about today but the the key insight here is that it isn't it isn't the world that causes your feelings it's your thinking and then your behavior comes from how you feel or often as uh, i'll explain in later episodes um how you behave comes from trying to not feel something or trying to feel something or trying to avoid a feeling. But anyway, more on that later. So this cognitive triangle is a a way of just looking at a situation and understanding it so it's less kind of confusing and overwhelming. Um, And it it kind of breaks down where problem behaviours or behaviours that you don't want for whatever reason. I say in coaching, you, you know, don't have to be diagnosed with anything. It could just be that you want to behave in a different way. Um, It doesn't have to be a kind of a very bad behaviour for you to use a cognitive triangle to, um, to look through at which thought is causing which feeling is causing which behaviour. So anyway... Let's say with somebody who has social anxiety, um, they might think people don't like me, which leads to a feeling of maybe feeling rejected or low. Um, and then the third um, angle of the triangle is their behavior. And, and if you're feeling low or rejected, you might not want to go out to the party. You might It might be difficult to, to kind of get energy to you know, put yourself out into a situation where you, you feel people are rejecting you. And another example of this um, that has definitely happened a lot in my life is, um, and a good way I think of separating out what, where your, your feelings come from, um, i.e. that they come from your thoughts rather than the world, is, so let's say um, the example of a deadline. So, Let's say it's a Tuesday morning, I wake up and um, I'm going to start my working day and I have a, a deadline, let's say an essay deadline on Thursday. And I, I think, oh my God, I only have you know 48 hours to finish this. I've done this again. I'm such a disorganized person. I'm such a mess. And the way that makes me feel is ashamed I feel ashamed of myself I'm like oh my god I am disorganized and I'm a mess and that that feeling has come from what I'm thinking that I'm making you know I'm I'm building up this story about what the deadline means and how I've behaved I'm making it um mean something about me as a person 
And so then if you have this feeling of shame, it, it's so uncomfortable. And, and definitely I can remember just really not wanting to have it. You don't know all this is unconscious. You don't realize that you're trying to to avoid a feeling of shame, but pretty much you'll do anything to not have it. So you might start kind of cleaning the house, trying to do something that makes you feel less like a mess, less disorganized, um, go to the shop and avoid the feeling by, you know, spending hours cooking an elaborate meal. Maybe by eating, you might try to avoid a feeling, try and get some comfort from food. And then, you know, six hours have gone by on your Tuesday. And not only is the deadline closer, you've made no steps to um, to write the essay. And and you've maybe added some new problem, like, you know, you've picked a fight with somebody to avoid your feelings or you've eaten half the contents of the fridge and you feel a bit sick and, and then you feel even more shame. So it's a kind of um, a cycle. And that's why it's a, a triangle, the way they represent it in CBT, is that it kind of feeds back into itself. So your behavior then feeds back into what you think, which feeds back into what you feel. Um, and then the way you feel is what leads to your behaviors. Um, and so the, the key thing here is that all of these things, your whole life basically, comes from what you think. Your feelings, your behaviors, it all comes from a thought. And these thoughts have so much power. And that sounds kind of dramatic and, and insane, maybe, but... It also means that we have much more power over our feelings and over the way we behave than we might otherwise think. Um, so, so I guess I'm going to come back to, to this kind of separation between the thought and reality. Um, and I guess everyone can, can relate to this, that one day your phone pings, you know, 25 times and you think, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't handle this. And then the same exact number of pings at the same exact frequency, the same time, the next day, you might think, oh, wow, how wonderful that people are responding to my message or liking this photo or whatever it is and um, and reaching out. And I feel so loved and cared for, you know, it, you know, I, I it's really tempting to say, oh, my phone is overwhelming. My e emails are overwhelming me. My, you know, parents are keep calling and the the kind of reality is is that the feeling we get comes from what we think about it we could we could feel completely neutral about it like oh there are a bunch of messages um or you could you could think oh no i wonder if my parents are okay and feel worried um or you could think god they're so annoying <laughs> they're so needy um and and all of the the feeling you have comes from the thought um but the big thing here now is to not start noticing your thoughts and then blaming yourself for them or or um, judging yourself for your thoughts. What I want to advocate for and the kind of big shift that you can have in your life is just noticing the thoughts and loosening your grip on them, especially any thoughts that cause pain. So just noticing them means it's possible to have a conversation with them or to poke them and to say, oh, is that true? Do I, do I believe that? Do I want to believe that? Even if it's true that 
you've left it too late before the essay deadline. Is it helpful to tell yourself that you're disorganized and a mess? How do you feel when you think that thought? And so I, I, I think in lots of uh, traditions, I'd say in Buddhism, there's a kind of idea of non-attachment to notice yourself as separate from your thinking um, and, and kind of not identifying with it. And then other in, in CBT, they talk about challenging the thought that you can kind of write the thought down, see it on paper and think, is it really true that something terrible will happen if I don't wash my hands for 25 minutes? you know, every day or or every, well, actually every day, washing your hands every day is a good idea. But like, you know, in a way that's um, getting in the way of you living your life. Um, you know, is it is it helpful for me to think that I'm a chaotic mess? How does that make me feel? Um, and also like, what is a chaotic mess? How do you define that? Are there things that you have been able to do in an organized way? Um, so I guess I'm not saying that you can go immediately from one second to the next um, from thinking, oh, I'm I'm so disorganized, I've left this essay too late, to thinking I'm super organized and I am um, brilliant and I am in, you know, this is happening exactly the way I planned. Because you won't be able to believe that thought. But what you can do is just notice the original one and see if, if like I said, you could loosen your grip on it a tiny bit if you can notice that it might be necessarily the only truth the only way to see the reality um that there there could be a bit of doubt around it and that little bit of doubt can you know create space for you to feel a little bit less shame or a little bit less sad or a little bit less anxious um and from that space that sense of lightness and and a a kind of little sliver of freedom you might be able to you know get yourself up and and take a step towards doing the things that you want to do um, and all of that starts with um, noticing what it is you're thinking and for some people that's really easy they, they know exactly what's going through their minds all the time and, um, and you know we have thousands and thousands of thoughts per day and I definitely don't know what I'm thinking a lot of the time. I have to work to tap into finding out what it is my my brain is saying to me. Um, and one way of doing that is is writing, uh, just writing all the things that you're thinking without editing, without judging. Um, and and sometimes it takes a while to get to the kind of root. You have to write for a little while, and then you know it's only ten minutes in that you realize this is the kind of real thought that's causing the distress. This is, you know, I hadn't realized I was thinking this, but wow, that's that's what's happening underneath the surface. And then what I would argue you do in kind of therapy or in, um, you know, maybe therapy, looking backwards and looking at your relationships with your parents and and the way you grew up is we have these thoughts that are sometimes deeply ingrained and, and they become kind of big belief systems about what we're like as people. And, and those things, those types of big thoughts probably take a bit longer to, to find and to unpack and to challenge and to question and to, to kind of kick about and, um, and look at. Um, but then there are some thoughts that are, are just kind of throughout your day adding little layers of anxiety or um, worries as, as you go about your day without causing enormous problems. But 
that are just making you feel a little bit worse than you need to be feeling. Um, and so now I'm going to come back to my kind of background as a as a researcher and uh, as an academic. I want to encourage you when you're looking at your thoughts like this to try to not start judging yourself for them, to to notice your thoughts like a scientist, like an impartial observer who's just looking at data that the the data is being produced and you're looking at it and you're thinking like a kind of a, a loving anthropologist being like oh how interesting that's what's happening and don't make it mean anything about yourself and there are two reasons for this one because it's extremely difficult slash impossible to stop the thoughts that just pop up into your brain so there's no sense in trying to make yourself a brilliant or an awful person for them because you have very little control over them and the other reason is that you you have to be able to be honest with yourself about what your thoughts are if you want to have any hope of doing this work of inquiry or questioning or or loosening your grip on them not believing them basically um the the only way to do that is if you're honest with yourself about what the initial thought was and not a kind of a rephrase sugar-coated slightly more intelligent thought so you have to be able to kind of find this unedited maybe confusing thought that doesn't really make sense but is what you're thinking um to be able to kind of look at it and 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 question it um so you might be thinking all oh, this sounds very very good and I can find all all of these thoughts and question them but it's that first step of how do you find the thought and so like I said I think for for some of them it you need therapy you need somebody there to kind of um or a coach to to sit with you and go through what it is that is is happening and where the thoughts are hiding and and sometimes where they came from um is helpful to know uh, but the kind of big insight uh, in CBT is that you don't necessarily need to go into where a thought came from um, and understanding that it's, you know, related to something that happened when you were very young and your parents, that you can just kind of find the thought and be like, ah, this isn't useful. It's producing this behavior that I really don't want in my life. Um, and and that you can kind of work from there looking forward rather than looking backward. Um, and trying to to know where it came from but I, I would say that sometimes knowing where I thought came from can help you to stop blaming yourself for it and stop judging yourself you're like oh of course I think this about the world or I think this about my appearance you know I exist in this world where we're constantly being sold this idea that that makeup or being beautiful or looking a certain way is going to solve the pain of life of course I I have like internalized that to some extent. Um, but yeah, I think if if the, the one thing I wish I could tell everyone in the world is that you can get enormous relief from from big painful feelings if you can pinpoint which thought is leading to the feeling and then looking at the thought really honestly and wondering, is that true? Do I have to believe this? Do I want to believe it? Um, you could have big dramatic thoughts like I can't do anything right or I you know I'm a mess I'm chaotic and and you don't have to believe those thoughts and often just finding the thought makes you realize oh wow I don't believe that that's wild 
Why was I getting upset about that? Like, it isn't true that, you know, my friend will stop being my friend if I'm five minutes late. Or it's not true that, um, you know, my boss hates me if they haven't replied to this email in a certain amount of time or they think my work is no good or they're going to fire me. And sometimes our, our brains just give us these these thoughts as options and and we can notice them without believing them. We can watch them float by, um, which is, of course, not always possible. Sometimes you just really, really believe the thought and it feels completely true. Um, and that's OK as well. Often in the kind of big heat of an emotion, you mightn't be able to to see the space between reality and your thoughts um, and you'll be completely wedded to to, to believing them. Um, and, and that's all right. Um, so that was the main message I wanted to send out to you. And if you never, you know, do any self-development work, any kind of um, coaching or therapy or reading self-help books ever again, I think that is the central part of, of all of them. And then they'll talk about it in different language. They'll go about finding the thoughts in different ways and questioning the thoughts in different ways. Um, and for some people, you know, it, it doesn't resonate the way uh, it does for others. Um, and that's all right. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to finish with a quote by Byron Katie, um, who talks about this kind of noticing your thoughts and inquiring and questioning your thoughts in a way that really speaks to me um, and that really helped me in my life. And basically what she says, this quote is, an unquestioned mind is the world of suffering. So I'm going to leave you with that. Um, but if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Maeve Keneally. That's D-R-M-A-E-V-C-O-N-N-E-E-L-Y. Thanks so much for listening.